for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. Because the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom, bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Holy God, give us grace, open our hearts and minds to hear your true and living word, Jesus the Christ, who will transform our lives. Amen. Well, once again, thank you for being your willingness to swap pastors today. We are a body of Christ in each of our congregations, and we are a much larger body of Christ in our synod, in the ELCA, and in all the religious traditions of the world. We can have a huge impact on the world when we get together. But mostly, it seems like we ignore each other. So this is a good small step in getting to another level of having an impact on this world. We're coming to the end of the church year. The daylight's getting noticeably shorter every day. The texts are starting to turn darker. They point us toward the end times, the eschatological, as they say in our church language. If Advent is the time of hopeful waiting, the end of the church year tends toward the apocalyptic. And what's going to happen in the end times is the $64,000 question, of course. And every generation asks this. Now, of course, we think that we are special. Our times are the most scary, most foreboding. Wars in Israel and Ukraine, earthquakes, mass killings, people being suspicious of the other party, and so on. Just like people did in 1968 with wars in Israel and Vietnam the assassinations of Bobby Kennedy and MLK Jr., tense standoffs with Korea and Czechoslovakia, violent and nonviolent war and civil rights protests. 
and just like the people of 1948 with the Arab-Israeli war, Mahatma Gandhi being assassinated, tensions in Yugoslavia and Berlin with the airlift and partitioning, a massacre in Korea, civil war in China, communist revolution in Czechoslovakia. People were suspicious of anybody who was different because they were thought to be a communist. The House of Un-American Activities Committee cast doubt on the people of our government. Each generation thinks they're in the end times. And people thought they were in the end times in 1939 and 1914, 1843, 2-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
Parables are just there to make you think, to make you talk with your friends. It's easy to trip into some pretty awful theology. And there's a lot of iffy interpretation on this parable out there. You know, we don't even understand what the context of a Jewish wedding is any longer. That the groom could only come and claim the bride after he had secured or even built a house for them to stay in. So the bridesmaids may have had a kind of an idea when he might show up, but they had really no idea when he was able to. And given the travel conditions in this time, you could get delayed significantly. So Jesus comes right out at the end of this parable and says the meaning of this story. Keep awake, for you know neither the day or the hour. The kingdom of heaven is coming. You don't have to read anything else into this. It was the duty of the bridesmaids to escort the bridegroom into the house of the bride. And we are here to usher Jesus into our world, period. Lamp or no lamp. And what's interesting about this is that Jesus didn't moralize about not being adequately prepared or by sharing about what you had in abundance or about what would happen if you met the bridegroom and your light was out or why the door was shut. He just says, keep awake, keep the faith, keep doing what you're doing to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. As we say these days, just keep showing up. The problem for the foolish bridesmaid is not that they ran out of oil. It's that they left. They stopped showing up. Do you note that they all had fallen asleep? That echoes Paul. We've all sinned and fallen short. But it's the ones who were still there that got into the wedding banquet. I'm currently reading a book about the dark night of the soul, a phenomenon recorded by uh, many whom, during a life of admirable faith, they find themselves in a profound despair at some point. Mother Teresa was particularly eloquent about her dark night of the soul. But here's the thing. She just kept showing up for others. Even when she doubted that she was doing any good, when she doubted her calling, when she doubted there was even a God, she just kept showing up and tending to the dying, the lepers, the poor. Wrapping wounds, she ministered each of them according to their own tradition sometimes. She would read the Koran to dying Muslims, brought water from the Ganges for the Hindus, gave extreme unction to the Catholics. Albert Schweitzer, whose life had many dark valleys, simply said, follow Jesus, and Jesus will be revealed to you. So let's be real. I mean, the journey of faith has its hills and valleys. The psalmist tells us that there are green pastures and valleys of the shadow of death. Sometimes our lamps are lit and they burn brightly. And sometimes we run out of oil. Some of those valleys in the journey of faith are dark. 
We keep putting one foot in front of the other, though. The hardest thing about this parable is that we are all fearful of becoming the foolish bridesmaids. The time will come when we drown, where we draw down all of our energy, all of our oil, the energy that we have for God's work in this world. Our spiritual fuel cells will run, row, will run low, and we can't see the map of where we are. We fear we are lost. We fear what we don't, what we do isn't worthwhile. We fear. We fear. But we keep showing up. We keep on showing up as the church to say, we will not let fear run our life and prevent us from being the hands and feet of God in this world. We keep on feeding the hungry, giving the thirsty something to drink, welcoming strangers, clothing the needy. We keep on living our lives as though Jesus could return tomorrow. And we keep on living our lives, as Luther said, when asked what he would do when he heard Jesus was coming tomorrow. He said, no, nah, I'll plant an apple tree. We live as though there is no tomorrow. And yet we also live as though everything we do will help bring about the kingdom of God here someday. Our reading in Amos today reminds us that God is not particularly interested in our festivals, our solemn assemblies, the noise of our songs or our thoughts and prayers. We are to keep on making justice happen. We are to have it roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Each time we work for justice or we act righteously, we testify to the presence of Jesus. Every time we bear one another's burdens, we testify to the presence of Jesus. Each time we advocate for the poor or reach out to the friendless or repair a broken relationship, every time we work to make the world a better place, we testify to the presence of the risen Christ. And every time we testify to the presence of Jesus, we refill our lamps. Jesus is revealed in us and to us. We are the bridesmaids. We show up. We show up. We fall asleep. We are selfish and we don't share sometimes, but we show up sometimes with our lamps lit and ready and sometimes not. In the inflated vocabulary of theology, we live in a realized eschatology. That is, we live as though the kingdom of God is here for us to build. We build it by connecting across congregations, across synods, across traditions. The days are getting darker. We can lose sight of the bigger picture, but we fill our lamps so Christ's light will shine in the darkness. We fill our lamps by showing up and working for justice and working righteously. We fill our lamps by keeping the faith, even though when faith is hard to hold on to. We fill our lamps by being there for others, by sharing our stories. We fill our lamps 
by not giving in to fear, by reaching out beyond our walls. We fill our lamps out of joy because we can't wait to meet Jesus when he comes, which he will soon and very soon. Amen.